Welcome again to the Walla Walla University Church as we begin the first Sabbath of a new year. We are so glad that you have decided to join us. Now, let me give you an idea of what is going to happen in the life of the University Church, particularly in the month of January. If you're watching after perhaps not engaging with the church for a while, January is a wonderful time to do that. And we are glad that you are with us, whether you are uh, watching with your family in your living room, whether you just have your PJs on and you're watching on an iPad, whether you are actually traveling and you are just tuning in, we are glad you have joined us. So today what we will do is review 2020 and then look forward to 2021. So we're going to look back and we're going to look forward. And it's going to be a time for us to engage some of the difficulties that all of us have had to navigate in the past year, but hopefully have some idea of the hope that is promised to us in Jesus as we go into another year. And then next week, we will have another sermon, and that sermon will also lead us as we are in the season of epiphany through navigating grief and loss and celebrating what has been given to us. And next week will also be an opportunity for the church family in the company of one another, even though we are far from each other, to celebrate the Lord's Supper uh, together. That will be next week. And then the week following, we will hear from the Associated Student Body of Walla Walla University. The spiritual VP will be speaking from this pulpit. So the next couple of weeks, uh, there are many things for you to look forward to as you join us for worship at the University Church. Let's pray. Father in heaven, these next few moments as we enter uh, into your word, we pray that your spirit that has been here already will continue to abide with us. Lord, you have spoken to us through the wonderful music that has been played. You have spoken to us through your word. You have spoken to us in the silence as we have prayed. And now we ask that you will linger just a little longer and that you will speak to us, that you will touch our hearts to give us comfort where we are grieving, to give us hope where we are hopeless, to challenge us where we might need it. Make our hearts receptive to the voice of your spirit is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. For better or for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death did us part. 2020 was an unforgettable year in America. Social commentators looked at 2020 and at times felt like it was a redux of the 1918 flu pandemic, of the 1930s economic depression, of the 1960 social unrest and civil rights movement, of the 1970s presidential impeachment. And for millions of people around the globe, 2020 was also a year of waiting waiting for it to be safe to enter our workplaces, waiting to see if loved ones would survive their stay in hospital, waiting to see if lost jobs would return, waiting to hear if the landlord would give another reprieve on your rent for your home or for your small business, waiting 
waiting to see if school would be in person next quarter, waiting to see what the latest restrictions from the governor would be that would impede the way we live our life, waiting. And perhaps if you're like me, you caught yourself daydreaming at times about the moment when everything goes back to normal, when we can go back our lives without masks, when we can go to our children's football and basketball and hockey games without a worry, when we can share a meal with our friends at home without fear. 2020 at times felt like running a race with no finish line, like trying to complete a puzzle with no picture to tell us what it should look like. And as we enter 2021, we all face lives that are tinged with grief and also with sorrow, because many of us in 2020 sorrowed deeply. We also have occasions, I'm sure, that come to our mind that demand an attitude of gratitude. And so today we will lament what has been lost and we will kindle hope for what can be brought to our lives in 2021 through the risen Christ. And I'm sure that some who are listening today may be tempted to already uh, switch off to wonder why the preacher begins the start of a new year, leaving what should be buried behind and trying to unearth it. Perhaps for you, 2020 was not a difficult year. And hearing morose uh, recollections of 2020 is not what you tuned in for, but stay with me a moment. Even if 2020 was good for you, perhaps you were promoted at work, all of your family was healthy. Perhaps working from home worked out wonderfully for you and your spouse, gave you the opportunity to engage in moments of deep tender delight in the company of each other. Perhaps you were promoted at work and 2020 really was not that bad for you. You recognize that it rained on other people, but for you, 2020 was sunny skies. And if that was you, then I bless the goodness of God toward you. I'm happy and I mean this genuinely, happy that you were able to have a year in which you tasted of the goodness and of the faithfulness of God in your life. And I ask that as you reflect on God's radiant blessings toward you, you engage for the next few moments as a, as a moment of solidarity with the rest of the community of Jesus who was soaked to the bone with disappointment in 2020. And here at the University Church, as we practice the way of Jesus together in community, it means that at moments like this, pivotal moments, when we turn and we reflect, we are there for one another because we are there for each other in dancing and also in grief. And so with all of that being said, I want to invite you to the Old Testament to go to the book of Lamentations. Uh, the book of Lamentations. 
Lamentations is a very interesting book. It's in fact a poem that most scholars think was written by Jeremiah, and those who are unsure have to at least recognize that if it wasn't Jeremiah, the person did a wonderful job, but often sounding like Jeremiah. And here in the book of Lamentation, uh, Jeremiah, or whoever the author was, but Jeremiah, I think, negotiates catastrophic loss for which there are no adequate words. The year is 587 BC. Jerusalem was invaded by the Babylonians. And after about a year of the invasion, King Zedekiah of Judah decided to form a resistance and to rise up against his oppressors. And so they rose up, but Babylon, that mighty empire, came back, and it came back with a vengeance. And in 588 BC, there is a siege which lasts for 18 months. And in that siege, Jerusalem is taken, it's looted, and it's destroyed. This is the context of the book of Lamentations. And Lamentations captures the despair, the communal sorrow of people after the bottom has fallen out of life. Let's read some of the ways in which they try to negotiate these deep moments of grief in their life. Lamentations, we're going to go to chapter 3 and begin in verse 1. Listen to the words of Lamentations. I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. He has led me and made me walk in darkness and not in light. Surely he has turned his hand against me time and time again throughout the day. He has aged my flesh and my skin and broken my bones. He has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and woe. He has set me in dark places like the dead of long ago. He has hedged me in so that I cannot get out. He has made my chain heavy. Even when I cry and shout, he shuts out my prayer. He has blocked my ways with hewn stone. He has made my paths crooked. This is how Lamentations chapter 3 begins. And if you're thinking, my word, what an absolute downer of a text, then yes, you should read the rest of the book of Lamentations. And the immediate context of these verses is shocking. In fact, theologian Dilbert Hillers detects in Lamentations chapter 3 a reversal of Psalm 23. They say that Lamentations 3 is the anti-Psalm 23. Well, what does that mean, Andreas? The anti-Psalm 23, the reversal of Psalm 23. Well, I'm sure most of us are familiar with that passage in Psalm 23, which begins, the Lord is my shepherd. So keep that text in mind and then go back to Lamentations 3 and let's compare and contrast. So in Psalm 23, we have this picture of a shepherd looking after his sheep. The shepherd led them by still waters. But when we go to Lamentations chapter 3, the picture is given of a shepherd who is driven his sheep in darkness and not 
in light. When you go to Psalm 23, there is a picture of a shepherd who led his sheep in paths of righteousness. And then in Lamentations verse 9, you find the picture is not one of, of being led in paths of righteousness and of rightness. Instead, it is being led in a way that is bricked up and crooked. And we continue. Psalm 23 tells of, of a shepherd who has a rod and a staff, and the rod and the staff is used to bring comfort for the sheep when they are in trouble and when they are afraid. In Lamentations 3, instead of the rod and the staff bringing comfort, we read of a rod that brings affliction and wrath. And finally, in Psalm 23 at the end, we read that surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And so we read that in verse 6, but when we come to Lamentations chapter 3, rather than goodness following all the days of the author's life, instead there is just a desolate, ridiculed, and taunted existence. It's the anti-Psalm 23. And so we read and we see someone in deep grief and pain. Another theologian, Pierre Van Heck, notices that the imagery of a divine shepherd is transformed and Yahweh is now the bear and the lion, the very animals that the shepherd is to protect the sheep from, in Lamentations chapter 3, Yahweh has become the adversary. And uh, uh, commenting on this uh, chapter is Jeremy Huey, who says this about Lamentations 3. He says, more devastating to the morale of Judah than the destruction of the temple and the loss of independence was the theological crisis created by the catastrophe. What crisis? Human suffering always precipitates probing questions about God. The faith of many Jews must have been shattered by the events. And I imagine that not only was the faith of the Jews shattered, their confidence wasted, but they were unsure, they were anxious about what the future held, about where God was in everything that was happening to them. And as I reflected on this question this week, I asked myself, <laughs> and perhaps you asked yourself, questions of God. I wonder what questions you have asked God in 2020 about the difficulty of the year gone past. Did you ask God why he was unable or seemingly unwilling to spare the life of a loved one? Did you ask God in a whisper or did you scream it with a sharp pain of anguish? Maybe you inquired of God, why did every single graduate program that I applied to, after not being able to have a graduation like everybody else who was gone in the institution's history, why did you rub salt in the wound and let me be turned down to every graduate program, to every internship? Maybe you ask God these difficult questions. 
Or maybe you sighed and thought, wasn't COVID enough, God? Cancer as well, on top of it? And maybe there are some of you who are so overwhelmed by it or you couldn't even speak to God. You had no questions to ask him because you were not sure if he was there to hear them. And Lamentations chapter 3 engages these deep, harrowing moments of human life and continues its funeral march. And friends, if you're not used to the book of Lamentations, if you're not used to hearing about lament and grief, maybe again, like I said, this may feel like this is not the place you want it to be in or the frame of mind to begin a new year. But hold on. Because this was not an easy year, and we need to engage it rather than move on without really understanding what happened. When we read Lamentations chapter 3, we see on the dark horizon of this funeral march, of this lament and grief, we see it on the horizon, fringed with a thin ribbon of light, hope, in Lamentations chapter 21 to 24. And the hope emerges, and it's a small, tender shoot, but it emerges. It's a hope that is not triumphant resolution. It does not disney the rest of Lamentations and make everything okay, like life. But it's hope. And we read this, uh, beginning in verse 21, this unknown author this uh, voice says, yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. And I think this is the word we are all holding on to as we turn the corner into another year. Therefore, I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. It's a beautiful, beautiful passage right in the structural center of the book of Lamentation. And it breaks the mood of despair and it replaces it with a beautiful affirmation that God is alive. And because God is alive, yes, although it may have been dark, there are shafts of light and there is hope for those who have sorrowed, for those who have grieved, for those who have felt hopeless, for those who have been left behind. There is hope. And the basis for this resilient hope is placed in God's great love. And I think this is important. I know that I catch myself saying this, and, and this is not to be picky, but often we will wish one another um, that, that the new year will bring better things. We will wish that the new year will bring us uh, more joy, more happiness. But the reality is the new year... Uh, does not do anything. When we move from the 31st of December 2020 to January 1, 2021, when the clock hits the stroke of midnight, we don't become new people. We may get a psychological blank slate, 
but we don't become new people. Our family dysfunctions, our bodily aches, our debt, our anxiety don't pack their bags on the stroke of midnight when they hear fireworks. As followers of Jesus, our hope is not in the ephemeral mist of a calendar year changing. Our hope has to be grounded in God's loving faithfulness kindness, and mercy. And lamentation reminds us of that. In fact, the word used, uh, God's loving kindness, is the Hebrew word hesed, sometimes translated as covenant love, loyal love. And it's a word that has the basic uh, meaning of loyalty and faithfulness, saying this is how God uh, regards us. This is how God interacts with us. And another basis that we are told in Lamentations 3 is that God's unfailing compassions are with us. And this word is an interesting word. It's a word picture which has um, in its background this, this idea of a womb, that God is with us. And it, de- and it describes God um, coming to us with a tender, loving care and compassion of a mother who has a new life inside her womb. And it says that this is the way God comes to us and he gives us fresh new mercies every morning, every day, every week, every month, and at the beginning of a new year. God gives us these fresh mercies. I wish that Lamentations had ended at the end of Lamentations 3, verse 24. I wish it was skipping through a field of flowers. I wish it was rainbows. I wish it was, it was honeyed. But it doesn't end in verse 23 or in verse 24. Because the poet realizes that God's faithfulness is to be interpreted in the light of his promise that he gave to Judah, that he would destroy them if they did not listen. And so he says, well, if God was faithful in bringing destruction to Judah, then he will also be faithful in bringing restoration because he said, if we come back to him, he will restore. So Lamentations 3, 21, 24, this center of the book is sort of suspended in the void. Before it was grief and after it is anxiety. It's the unknown. It's trying to figure out what the future would look like and still hold to the promises of Yahweh. It's ponderous in its uncertainty. And yet, I think it hits the right note for all of us. Well, at least for me, especially for me, because 2020 is in the books. We hope through Christ that 2021 will be better, but we don't know. We don't know what 2021 will bring. We don't know if we will engage with 2021 through Psalm 23, that the Lord is our shepherd, or through Lamentations chapter 3, feeling like we have been left desolate and destitute. 
But we can know that Lamentations 3, 21 to 24 will hold true that God's steadfast faithfulness will be with us. And so 21, 2021 is here with all its uncertainties about vaccinations and immunizations. It's here with all of the uncertainties about the economy, about the transition of a new administration. It's here with all of its uncertainties about future natural disasters, political uprising, about marriages which are holding on with a threadbare sense of desperation. But 2021 is also here, and it means that there will be births. It means there will be weddings. It means there will be baptisms. It means there will be good food, new friends, sunrises, reunions, ripe mangoes. It means that life will continue. There will be an opportunity for us to taste the goodness of God. And we hold these things in tension, suspended in the void. A few days ago, I caught up with a friend and asked them how they were doing and they shared the grief of the year and also turned a little to look at the coming year. And they said, you know, Andreas, I'm terrible at making milestones and looking at important places in my life, but I need to do that for 2020. Boy, I have to do that for 2020. I cannot turn the corner without making some milestone. So I want to conclude by inviting you, wherever you are, just to grab a piece of paper and a pen. Or if you have a notebook that you make your notes in, if you have a journal that you, you write your thoughts in, to grab that. And I'll give you just a second to do that because I think it's important for us to engage in some simple but practical steps to both lament and also to have gratitude as we turn into a new year. Author Matt Erickson gives some helpful uh, tips for how we can engage the year that has gone in preparation for the year that is coming. He says that for us to fully live into the year which is to come, we must look at the year which is gone and we must name our losses. Name your losses. They could be large, they could be small. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe you lost your health. Maybe you lost your marriage. Maybe you lost the joy of being able to just walk out of your house and go and play pickup basketball with your friends. Maybe you lost the joy of just calling and scheduling a Manny Petty. Maybe you lost the joy of hugging your parent who has been cloistered in a long-term care facility. Name your losses, large and small. I did that exercise myself this week and realized that there were some things that, although seemed small initially, had actually grown to occupy a larger space in my life than I had recognized, occupying a lot of my background attention. And if we don't name our losses, it can become difficult to move past them. And so if you have your pen, if you have your paper, 
You can scribble down the heading, even if it's difficult because you're listening and you can come back to this later to name your losses. Write them down. Put a name to them. Vocalize them. Voice them to someone who can hear because we cannot lament without naming our losses. The second thing that we can do is to grieve our losses. Grieve your losses. And for some of us, it's been a hard year. And I know that my upbringing has taught me how to work hard, how to be resilient, how to persevere in trials, but often it fails in teaching me how to grieve. And maybe your German stoic background, your Scandinavian background, maybe the stiff upper lip that your family has often told you is the only way to navigate life has made it difficult for you to learn how to also grieve your losses. But grief is an essential part of lament. Lament creates space for us to sorrow and to engage with God. So we must name our losses, grieve our losses. And third, we must bring our losses to God. Bring your losses to God of 2020. And it may seem an obvious point, but to bring your losses to God takes intentional action to accomplish. All of these things take intentional action. They may take five minutes or 10 minutes of journaling. They may take a call to your therapist. They may take a call to the friend who can always listen, but it's important for us, suspended in the void of what has gone before and what is to come that we name our losses, grieve our losses, and bring our losses to God. Because if we don't, these losses can hold us back. If we say, no, I don't, I don't do that stuff, you know, I'm fine. We pack it, we stuff it down. If we do that, my friends, then we leave little space for us to go into a new year with room to receive the new gifts of God. If we pack and stuff our losses without giving them to God. And finally, it's important that we not only name our losses, grieve our losses, bring our losses to God, but it's important that we recount God's loving kindness, that we express gratitude for all that he has done. Yes, lives have been lost, but lives have been born. Yes, people have been furloughed and people have also found new jobs. Yes, relationships have ended, but perhaps they have been doors to better and healthier relationships. Yes, perhaps you struggled in engaging with God because you were unsure and unhappy with the responses he gave to your prayers in 2020. But there are things, my friends, that every single one of us can be grateful for. A roof over our head. Someone who knows our name. Family that we can call, a job that we can go to, a country that we can worship freely in. There are things that each of us, no matter how difficult the past year was, that we can be grateful to God and we can recount his loving kindness and mercies. And for those of you 
who wants to know, well, what's in it for me? Let me tell you what's in it for you. If you are able to manifest some gratitude, we are told that hormones, the, hormone, the hormones dopamine and serotonin are released each time you are grateful. Your body thanks you and, and rewards you when you write lists and when you take time not only to lament but also to be grateful, to have gratitude, and it makes you feel better, lighter, happier inside. And when we experience gratitude, we shift our focus from what we don't have and didn't get to what we do have. And when we take time to appreciate and be thankful for the abundance that God has given to us in our lives. And so as we go into 2021, I want to leave these words of blessing for you. May the God of Psalm 23, may the God of Lamentations chapter 3, go with you in 2021. And may his gracious best always be yours. Amen. Again, thank you for joining us this week. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and we're so glad you worshiped with us this Sabbath. Please let us know where you're joining us from. You can send us a message on our social media, on Facebook, on Instagram, on our church website. And we pray that you have a wonderful week and God's richest blessings go with you.